I have a great appreciation for my opponent's feistiness that he wants to uh, continue to show, you know, he has this sharp tongue and can issue these challenges to God and so forth. One, one of Christianity's specifically horrible contributions to human mythology and delusion is the idea, the terrifying idea, that you could be tortured forever. Horrible by what standard? Horrible by, well, good question. Um, yeah, I know. Having a sharp tongue is not a sure indicator of possessing an equally sharp mind. I'm not here to prove the Bible. I'm not here to defend the Bible. I agree with Charles Spurgeon. I would no more defend the Bible than I would defend a lion. You don't defend a lion. You just let him loose. He'll defend himself. So welcome, everyone. This is the Saints Edified Polemical Edition. And we're, this is where we critically examine essential and non-essential issues of the Christian faith. Today, we're going to examine the oneness error. But first, let me introduce myself in case you don't know. My name is Arturo, and uh, I, I attend Providence Reformed Church in Bakersfield, California. I also host Saints Edified Podcast, and I run the online ministry on Facebook and the website www.saintsedified.com. Um, and today, I have a brother, uh, Jamal. He's uh, I've known him for only a few months, but man, uh, this guy, I've, I've, I keep up with his podcast and his ministry. Uh, he's a blessing. So, uh, so Jamal, if you don't mind, man, can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yes. Um, so thank you once again, Arturo, for having me on the show, man. I'm greatly appreciated. Um, so I'm Jamal Bandy, um, host of Prescribed Truth podcast, also the ministry, uh, the apologetics ministry, Prescribed Truth. Started out on YouTube, so it's on YouTube as well. And whatever podcast app you like to listen to, I'm there as well. Um, I'm a husband, I'm a father. I'm a part of a local church. Um, I don't serve any leadership positions in the church. I'm just a lay member, just a brother who loves the Lord and just want to share what I know with the people. And uh, as my slogan is, you know, this world is full of errors. So the only thing the doctor prescribes is truth. And that's what I want to do. If you want to know more about uh, prescribed truth and myself, you can uh, look me up on prescribedtruth.com and also available on Facebook and Instagram as well and Twitter. Awesome, bro. Also, so I, I kind of want to go for how we connected because um, you know, I, I just think it's by God's providence that we were able to uh, connect this way, um, especially the fact that we're doing this video, uh, this episode. Um, you know, I, I think it, I think it really points a lot to God's providence. So, uh, uh, so, so for those of you who don't know, uh, I actually met Jamal uh, through a mutual friend, uh, Cavante. Did, did that pronounce that right, Cavante? Yeah, Cavante. Yeah, Cavante. Yeah, yeah and. Uh, and, and it's funny, well, Cavante, I came across him through another mutual friend who is a oneness Pentecostal, uh, apostolic. And, um, and this guy actually lives in my city. And, uh, and a couple of times we him, went back and forth and, uh, and I saw Cavante on there and my reform senses were tingling. Uh, he kind of, his responses were kind of like, yeah, this guy's, a, this guy's Calvinistic. And, uh, and, and so I, I hit him up and uh, then he told me about Jamal and uh, he told me about his, his prescribed um, truth YouTube channel, start listening, and uh, and then I came across the video where he's discussing, or he's actually debating, uh, in a sense, um, with a, one is Pentecostal, uh, another guy from the Facebook uh, dialogue that uh, that I saw, and uh, and I was just encouraged. I was encouraged by how patient he was, <laughs> uh, Jamal, how, how patient Jamal was, and uh, but also how clear he was and able to uh, just let him know the truth. And um, so, um, and he, it's on his YouTube right now. You guys can check it out. So, but before we just get into it, I think it's important that we kind of um, explain what we're dealing with. Cause you know, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that many are coming across this video 
because they're friends of Jamal or they're my friends, family members. And uh, I have plenty of oneness Pentecostal friends. But then I, I know I know a lot of people who probably don't know the difference between a Christian or a Baptist, you know, Pentecostal. So um, I think Jamal, I think that's a, probably a good idea that we first discuss what it is very quickly. What's a oneness Pentecostal? And then we'll kind of get into our little bit backgrounds on, on, on how we came across them. So is that cool with you? Yeah, it's fine. That's great. All right. Awesome, man. So just really quick, uh, one is Pentecostal. Uh, they like to call themselves apostolics. So if you ever ask someone if they're a Christian or a Baptist or whatever, and they say they're apostolic, they're one is Pentecostal. And they like the name apostolic because it sounds very biblical, you know? That <laughs> you know, sounds that, that, great. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, so, uh, but really what it is, it's, it's, it's two doctrines, really. Uh, one is Pentecostalism, it's modalism and baptismal regeneration. And we're going to explain that for you in case you, if you never came across that, we'll explain it to you in, in this video. Um, baptismal regeneration simply means that one does not become born again until he or she is physically baptized in water. Okay, so you cannot be saved until you're baptized in water. Once you're baptized in water, then you're born again. You're regenerated. So that's bap bap baptismal regeneration. Um, and, and Jamal, uh, do, do you mind explaining what modalism is? Yeah, so modalism is the idea, and, and, and there are a lot of, of Christians who believe in the triune nature of God who make these mistakes as well when they're trying to describe the Trinity. Because it's, a, it's, it's a definitely a, a difficult subject to try to break down uh, in this complex. But the modalist is basically believing that we have one God who is one person. And this one person takes on different modes, hence the name modalism or functions. You may hear people, uh, well, uh, uh, a key way you'll know somebody is a modalist is when they use terms like um, God takes on different manifestations or God takes on different forms. Um, my pastor back then, a long time ago, um, he used to teach that uh, Jesus in the Old Testament was the father, then came in the New Testament as the son, and then now indwells believers as the Holy Spirit. So Jesus would take on different forms uh, throughout time. And so that's that's basically what, and it was some examples of what a modalist would say, and also just about definition of what it is. Yes, yes. And, and really it's, it's just a clear denial of the biblical and orthodox teaching of the Trinity. They deny the Trinity and they deny salvation by grace alone, through faith alone and Christ alone. So they deny two essential doctrines of the Christian faith, and this is why we're doing this. This is why we're we're taking the time to um, to let our brothers know to watch out for these guys, but also to be equipped and how to respond to them as well. You know, so um, one good website I think to to go to is theopedia.com. Uh, it's you know, so if if we say things in here and we don't define it, or if you're talking to a bunch of theologians and they they're saying a bunch of stuff and you're frustrated, just go to theopedia.com. Think of Wikipedia, but for theology, it's it's a great resource. And here's what they say. Modalism, also called Sibelianism, is the unorthodox belief that God is one person who has revealed himself in three forms or modes in contrast to the Trinitarian doctrine. The doctrine of the Trinity says that there's only one being, but three persons, okay? So they say that uh, he is one person and has merely manifested, manifested himself in these three modes at various times. Um, yeah. it just, and, and at the root of it all is it's a denial of who Jesus really is. You know, right. they they all, they would they would say Jesus like you and I would say Jesus, dealing with um, the triune nature of God. It's just that when you really go down into what they actually believe about Jesus, you'll see it's a totally different person. 
and um, they, you have some modalists um, who would go into splitting the person of Jesus, whereas he's part flesh, part human. I mean, part flesh and part spirit. Yeah. And so, therefore, the the deity side of him leaves him at the cross. You know, mm-hmm. there's a divorcing of the from the flesh and the spirit at the cross because of the of of Jesus saying, "My Father, My Father, Oh my God, My God, Why have you forsaken me?" And so when he does that, they say, well, this at this point, it had to be that the flesh, you know, and the spirit parted from Jesus and the spirit, the deity of him went back into heaven and the flesh was now praying, just like in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus praying, he says, Father, you know, if any other way, let this cup pass for me, but nevertheless, not uh, my will, but your will be done. That was the flesh side speaking to the deity side. And he's hearing voices and talking to himself. And that's, you know, Yes, we're going to get into it, but yeah. Yeah, no, no, that's good, bro. That's good. I'm, I'm glad you're bringing that up because um, I really want them to understand. I want the listeners and, and the viewers to understand what we're dealing with, you know, and and again, um, those examples how are helpful. Um, I, I have one more quote from the uh, upci.org website. This is their their main de- uh, denomination. It's one of the biggest denominations out there, right, for when it's Pentecostals. So they say on there, and I, and I have the link, I'll have the link in the description where I got this from. Uh, so this is what they say. Some people maintain that only one of the three divine persons, a second person who was called God the Son, came in flesh. But the Bible does not make such a claim. It simply says that God was manifest in the flesh. Jesus is not the incarnation of one person of a trinity, but the incarnation of all the identity, character, and personality of the one God. So, uh, so th- th- that's straight from their the, from their mouth. This is what they believe. Um, wow. So it's just uh, you know it teaches that the one God in the Scripture is one person who simply changed modes throughout the time. Uh, first the Father, then the Son, and then the Holy Spirit. Um, and they believe that salvation happens only when someone is baptized in water in the name of Jesus. So, um, so hopefully that gives you an understanding of 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 what they believe. Um, at least. I mean, there's there's plenty of other things that, that that they believe that we disagree with, like, you know, uh, women have to wear skirts all the time and no makeup, or you know what I mean, like uh, stuff like that. But that that's secondary issues. If you're gonna talk to a one that's Pentecostal, don't waste your time on that stuff. Right. Talk to them about the gospel mm-hmm. and who Christ is, because that that's what really that's what really matters, you know. So go ahead, bro. Uh, what's your background with with these guys? Okay, so um, I grew up. I, just give me a short end of it. I had grew up. Um, Baptist with my mother when I was younger, but I, I wasn't a believer, of course. I was more agnostic. Um, but when I began to want to go to the church, I ended up going to an apostolic church. Now, this apostolic church was different than what, what you described as far as like not worry, worry about the skirts or the makeup and everything else. Hmm. This guy was really laid back. I think he was just apostolic by name um, and just had some of the teachings that came from where he was taught, but not the um, all the strictness. Um, that church would end up being a cult. And so um, it was a lot of manipulation and everything else. So it's not not everybody who's apostolic does what what I went through, you know. Um, but the main thing is when it came to who God is, this is what He would teach. Um, he would teach that um, Jesus, like I mentioned earlier, Jesus was the Father, and then He was the Holy Spirit, and that um, Jesus would basically the flesh of Jesus would speak to the deity side on the cross and in the garden and so on and so forth. Um, and so when it, and when it came to the Trinity, he would uh, deny that by saying 
that, you know, God is not a monster. God does not have three heads. You know, we don't serve a three-headed monster. Anything with more than one head is a monster. We should kill it. You know, so that's so that's how he would describe a trinity. It's the only thing that made sense, you know, to us back then. But back then, we didn't get into a lot of the theological discussions and all that kind of stuff. It's just from what he would teach about Jesus, what he teach about God. It's kind of how, you know, I kind of gauge where he stood. And But when it came down to really coming into the understanding of what the trinity is after the Lord saved me, like I was still on the fence about all of this. It, to me, it was like just a, a twisting of words. You know, you got a trinity. The trinity believes in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The one that said they believe in the Father, Son, and the Spirit. It just, it's just a play on words. People are just confused over words, you know, and not really understanding what the issue really was underneath. Um, but so throughout my time in that cold, I didn't really worry about the deity of Jesus. Didn't worry about God, any of that kind of stuff. It just, it was just Jesus. But we always separated Jesus from God for some reason. You know, it's like, you know, we got God and we thank God for Jesus, you know. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but why are we, so what's the theology behind saying words like that, right? And that's what we would deal with and that's what we would do when we pray. You know, we always pray to the Father, rarely pray, pray to Jesus. We would say into Jesus' name, but we did pray to Jesus. You know, we would pray to God. We would just say the Lord or God and we would, really would pray to Jesus. And I was some... Um, one is Pentecostals do pray to Jesus, you know, some do. It's just where we was at. Um, but we did not even pray to the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit was was the power of God. You know, that's that's what the Holy that's what the Holy Spirit was. So as the Lord saved me in 2013, um, I began to look more into the scriptures and uh, God's crazy, he just revealed to me after watching I think I watched James White's video on the Forgotten Trinity, and I had watched a video on YouTube with Jeff Durbin breaking down the Trinity. And, um, and I was just following along with him. Like at this time I was against it, I was opposed, you know, and I'm following along with them through the Strong's, through my Strong's concordance at the time. And just, you know, following along with him with the, with the words for God and the Lord and the examples that Jeff Durbin gave from scriptures and James White did. And, and I realized there was no other argument. Like everything against what I believe was thrown out. You know, when you just looked at the scriptures and what they, and what, just what they said in context, like if you, if you just let the, the scriptures flow, then it makes sense that this word is God and the word becomes flesh, but also this word is there with something, someone else. It's, it's there with God too. Who's that? And we don't believe in multiple gods, so who is that? You know? And these things I had questions about as I was coming to understanding, and I could never answer. You know, and that's one of the reasons why I started Prescribed Truth in the first place, because I was under these false teachings. And as the Lord brought me out of them and being going through detox, and as I'm having to let go of everything that I was taught before and just get into the scriptures and get into the word and get into sound teaching. It's like, man, I want to be able to share this with others who are in the same position, people who are still yet in these false teaching churches, man. And what I realized, bro, and this is a sad thing, there are pastors who are not like my ex-pastor who knew he was being manipulative, who knew, you know, that he wasn't doing the right concerning his church. But there are pastors who actually are very sincere in what they believe. They really do believe this about God, they, you know, and I try to have compassion on that. It's like, they're not trying to be manipulative. They're not trying to be um, deceitful to their people. They just read, they're reading the scriptures in the wrong light. They don't know the truth, you know? And so, yeah. Yeah, no, man. Yeah, they're sincere. They're sincere about it. And, and, uh, and unfortunately they're sincerely wrong, you know, and, and this, but that's why, you know, that's, that's why we're, we're trying to reach out to them, you know? Just kind of going into what happened to me, um, God saved me when I was 15 years old. 
and I was so I was it was the right summer now. right before sophomore year in high school is when he saved me and um and I remember man uh bro and and I, I can't forget this you know because I'm someone who did not grow up in church or anything but I I was saved and I was like on cloud nine man I, I just could not stop talking about Jesus I was just so excited and and happy that wow like you know and you know and so it's funny it was I had a low self-esteem in high school and I told my mom I was like, you know what? I'm ugly, but God still loves me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, uh, I was just so happy. I was, <laughs> I was so happy. I was like, yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't care if I'm ever married. I don't care. I, I just, I, I, I'm going to go to heaven one day and I'm gonna be with Jesus. And I was so excited, you know, and, and then I, so, 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 so school was going to start. And I'm like, uh, you know, I can't wait to tell my friends about this. And I can't wait mm. to, to hang out with other Christians. The only Christians I knew were, were apostolics. Mm. You know, uh, at the time I didn't know they were, you know, came across them. I was like, hey, we should start a Bible club, you know, and this and this and that. We start evangelizing. And one of them, he took me aside and he's like, hey, uh, have you been, have you been baptized? And mm. I'm like, uh, not yet, but I'm going to. He's like, at your church, how, how are people baptized? And mm. and I told him, well, I don't really know. Um, I, I, I think uh, I think what how Jesus said it, you know, and. And he's like, okay, well, then he, he takes me to Acts 2, 38. And he says, if you're not baptized in this way, you're not saved. If you haven't been baptized in this way, you're not saved. Mm-hmm. And it just threw me off. I'm like, what? I was like, no, like, I, I am saved. I know I'm saved. And uh, and that started a year-long debate between me and these apostolic guys. And um, and at one point, I almost joined the church. I, I started visiting the church, and I was so confused. And, mm-hmm. uh, and thankfully, you know, God just... Um, in his providence, you know, gave me a MacArthur study Bible, you know, and had some, the books that I chose to read were like from R.C. Sproul and I found karm.org, you know? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was coming across, I was coming across these, these resources and, uh, and you know, I, I just, I look back at it, man, and I really wish there was someone there that could have discipled me, you know what I mean? I wish someone was there to, to disciple me and to, uh, and just to prep me for these things because it wasn't there. Um, the church I was going to was the Pentecost Assembly of God Church. So, like you know, like obviously they're not Reformed or Calvinistic, but right. the gospel was preached, you know. And um, and it wasn't until later on where I, I kind of got a hold of someone that was able to help me out, and he introduced me to Paul Washer, you know. Um, oh, and, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. uh, shout out to Brother Dan. I know he's gonna watch this and be like, "Don't say my name." Like, it's, it's funny, man, because uh, you know, at one point I thought all apostolics believed the same thing. Um, now it's funny because one of the guys I came across that, that I talked about that one of the one of the guys that I, that were Christian that I knew in high school, because he was gonna be the first one I told. Because I remember we used to have lunch together and he used to pray before eating and that made me feel bad, so I'll pray too, you know. And mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was doing, but I told him I was like, "Hey, man, I'm a Christian now," and he was excited for me. He was kind of a little bit, probably would have been considered liberal with with other apostolics. Mm-hmm. Well, years like about ten years later. His dad branches out from their main denomination. He decides to go solo, and he actually believes in limited atonement. Oh, wow. You know, it's, I mean, it's weird, you know. Like, and, he, and then he's okay with women wearing pants, and you know. So yeah, th- there are different branches out there, and uh, and 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 I, I hope that I hope that, uh, that people listening to this can know how much we're emphasizing discipleship. Because if if you know what you believe, if you know you believe in the Trinity, salvation by grace through faith in Christ. If you know these things, you won't be duped. You know what I mean? Like right. you, you, you're going to be prepared. You know, and uh, someone could sound biblical, 
and talk about God's sovereignty like my friend does. His dad talks about God's sovereignty, talks about limited atonement, but he's no Calvinist. You know, they, they're still oneness Pentecostals. And, um, and that's this is how the devil works. You know, the devil works that way. So he gets, uh, you know, or some truth and mix it in with lie. And next thing you know, you have people leaving the church. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. But you know, what's interesting about that, and I know we wouldn't get into the scripture. That's what's, inter what's interesting about that is that when someone does that, like uh, his father broke away from where it was at, because mm. they, re they recognize something is wrong. Yeah. They know something, something is off. They're, they're reading something, they're reading into the text and they're realizing something is different than what I'm hearing here. But they, but they still hold on to, I call the residue. They still have this mm -hmm. over here that they still believe, but they, okay, this right here is wrong. And to me, it's like, if you see something that's wrong, then what, then it should make you question everything else you may have been taught from this position. Exactly. And it, I ended up hearing the gospel while I was at this church, ended up hearing the gospel um, at a Bible study that a friend invited me to, who introduced me to Paul Washer. Nice. And, um, and so I heard the gospel for the first time and it sat on me for months, you know, and to the point I ended up leaving the church I was at, ended up going to another church that wasn't as bad as that one, but it was still not a solid church, you know, but until I ended up leaving that church and going to where I'm at now, I've been there for a few years now. And so it's just like, it's just the, the journey of coming to, coming into understanding is like, you know, something is wrong with the teachings. It's like, it should make you question everything else you learn. You know, from that uh, and, and I'm hoping this resonates with, with some of the people that are listening uh, who are in this transition period, you know, who are still confused um, and, and, uh, and not sure what to believe in or maybe they want, they want better answers. But um, I remember one, one time when I was almost convinced of joining their church, uh, I, remember, uh, I, I, I remember praying to God. I'm like, Lord, you know, I, I know that you, you died for me and I know that I'm saved. But if this is where you want me to go, then just show me they want me to go here, you know. And I remember going to this church. And again, at this time, I'm about, I'm about like 16 years old, you know, not properly discipled, uh, not really understanding the Trinity, not understanding salvation by grace. You know, uh, the whole sinner's prayer thing was still in the back of my mind, you know, and not knowing if it's wrong or right. Um, and I remember going to that church and all, 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 all that I saw there was Trinitarian bashing preaching. And people going crazy, jumping around, you know, just hyped up, you know. Mm. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, man, it's like, is this all that there is? Just bashing other people with what they believe, you know? Is this what the sermon's about? And uh, so I remember I, I left and I'm just thinking to myself, I was like, well, I prayed, you know, I was like, God, you know, let me know. And I think you let me know that's not the right church. But then, uh, you know, as I, as I go on, you know, I'm starting to think, I'm like, man, these people are so, it seems like they're so on fire for God. Right. And yeah. it's hard to to look at them and be like, no, it's fake. Yeah, it's not man. real. It's 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 hard to look at someone, especially loved ones, and let and let them know that what you're experiencing is all emotion. It's all it's all um, just a false fire, you know, and, uh, in, you know, and we have to do it in a, in a loving kind of way. And I'm sure you know this. You have to be sensitive to the fact that, you know, kind of like how we were, you know, uh, we're saved and then we're thinking to ourselves like, wait, what, what I believe is true. And being that that state of confusion, you, you, you have to consider that you might bring someone to that point, and right. and, and, and they want to turn to you for more answers later on, and hopefully, you know, show them Paul Washer. <laughs> he seems to be a, a gateway to. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you, man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, bro, I think we can go on and on and on about uh, our experiences in, the, in this topic alone, just so people can know that we're, that we're not just here behind a laptop, just you know, ah, one of the they're jerks, they're bad, and don't go. To, you know, like we're actually right. here saying no. Like we we encountered it. 
you know, some conversations with these guys. We love them and we want them to know the truth. We want them to see what we see. And, um, and it, it, this, this isn't just, uh, the Trinity wasn't invented, you know, in the fourth century, you know, um, look, you can look back at church history and see it taught in the, the third, second century, you know, and, um, it, so it's one of these things that the church has held for a long time. Uh, this is what it means to be Orthodox, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to have this old belief. And if you can see, I don't know if you can see my hat, man. It's yeah, my, I, saw that. I was looking at it. I was trying to, I was a, trying to see what it said. The merchandise that I, I'm still trying to work out, you know? <laughs> so, oh, man. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still trying to work it out, man. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going after you, bro. I mean, I see, I see you do it, so I got to do it too, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I see I was like, so we'll there you go, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Mine doesn't look as cool yet, but one day, hopefully. So. No, actually, that's really creative. I like that. Thanks, bro. Yeah, I mean, but that's part of the deal, right? Is, is to let, the, let people know that this is the historical faith, you know, uh, ancient truth, you know, and this isn't new. And with, with, our, with our apostolic friends, West Pentecostal friends, we're not saying that what... That, that they're going after a creed or a council, we know that they're taking the Bible at face value, and that's the issue: is that they're dismissing context when they do that. So, um, you have anything else to say before we, we, we go over the, the scriptures? No, that's 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 a word, man. Yeah, awesome, man. So, one one of their most popular verses that they love to use is Acts two thirty eight, and uh, if you go to any uh, you know traditional apostolic church. And you go, you go into the church, you'll, you'll see Acts 2.38 on their walls. Um, everyone I've, I've gone to, they always have it somewhere, Acts 2.38, because to them, that's the gospel message. That, that's, that's how someone is saved. Mm-hmm. Um, so Acts 2.38 says this, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The first point I want to make, and after I'm done making this point, bro, feel free to jump in and uh, whatever you want to say, is okay. that is that there's a difference between uh, descriptive and prescriptive genre, and when it comes to literature, okay, um, there's descriptive literature, uh, which is more like um, uh, what we see in the Book of Acts, like a historical account, and then there's prescriptive, like Book of Leviticus, right? That, that's giving you rules to obey, uh, do this, do that, do this, do that. Right, so so there's a difference, right? Um, we, we never get, uh, we, we never want to make um, something that's that's descriptive and turn it into prescriptive. Okay, uh, right. when we look at Acts two thirty eight, and we see that Peter is saying, "Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus." We don't want to take that and say, "Look, this is how it ought to be done. This is a command," uh, because it's not. What it is is Luke. He's he's uh, he's writing what happened, what what he saw. You know, keep reading. You see that the church also sold all their possessions, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're going to say that's how we ought to do things, then you should also do what happens next and sell all your possessions and live together, <laughs> you know. But 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 they know that that's not the case, right? Right. Um, so another thing too, uh, Peter doesn't mention uh, repent and believe. He just says repent. So are we going to say okay? Well, we're not going to believe then, you know? And I and clearly clearly what I'm, the point I'm making is this that that's descriptive. It's a summary of what happened. This is not a how-to book, you know. So I, th- I think that I think that's probably one of the first mistakes that people make when 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 they want to read the Bible. Um, they don't know anything about hermeneutics on how to study the Bible, how to study the scriptures. There's different genres in scriptures. You're not going to take something in Psalms, or and yeah, Psalms or Proverbs or or, or one of the uh, the books that are more poetic and take it literally, right? Mm. You're not going to go to Revelation and think that there actually is going to be a dragon with a lady on it. You know what I mean? 
Right. Um, it's, it's also, you know, so you have to consider what's symbolic, what's descriptive, what's prescriptive. Paul's epistles were more how-tos, you know what I mean? They're, they're more, uh, they're more uh, prescriptive. So, so that's the first point I want to make, bro. Um, you want to add anything? Yeah, man. Uh, so just like you were saying, like, we look at it, Acts 238, and one thing I like about calm.org is uh, Matt Slick. Like, I love how he how he, how he he says it. Uh, so I'm kind of taking it from him a little bit, but same thing, essentially the same thing. He's saying, this is not a formula, you know? This is not the formula, because like you said, it doesn't mention belief. It doesn't mention faith. And you know, the Bible tells us, with, apart from faith, we can't please God. So there's a, there's a contradiction here. If, if to be saved, all you gotta do is repent and be baptized, that's it. And then you have the Holy Spirit. Where's the faith? What, who are you trusting in? What are you trusting in? You know? And so it's, you know, that's obviously it's cut out there. But what's also missing here, and this comes from having read the Bible, like you have to read the scriptures, you know, uh, read the gospels and leading up to Acts, read the letters from Paul afterwards, you know, because Luke followed Paul. And so it's like, you have Acts 2.37, it says now when they heard this so they heard a message that was preached they heard something what did they hear peter preached the gospel he preached the gospel to them and he says now when they heard this they were cut to the heart and said to peter and the rest of the apostles brothers what shall we do you know what do we do and then we have this description of what did or what he told them but look at it the point was they were cut to the heart now according to the bible Bible tells us in Romans, it tells us also in, in the Psalms that we do not seek God. We don't want God. We're rebellious towards him. You know, and so why would they be cut to the heart if they don't want God? What is what what changed in their emotion or in their feeling or in what they believe? What happened? Something supernatural took place. You know, the Bible tells us, and this goes into another theological point dealing with depravity, which I know there are people who disagree with that, unfortunately. But the Bible is clear that apart from God's work in our hearts, we won't even come to it. Um, that's why I mean, reading the gospel is important. And Jesus said in John, he says, unless the Father draws them, no one will come to me. That's it. Father must draw. And, you know, that word means drag, like literally pull you to him. Unless that happens, no one will come to Jesus. So while these people say out of nowhere who don't want God, what shall we do? You know, something happened. And so in Peter, what I was trying to tell you when I talked to him um, is that they're assuming that Peter can see the Holy Spirit move. That he can see the movement, the movement of the Spirit. And what Jesus tells us in John is it's the, the movement of the Spirit is like the wind. You don't see where it comes from or where it goes, but you, but you know its effect. That's just how the wind is. You can't hear the wind, you can't see the wind, but you know it blow by because something moves. <laughs> the position of something changes, you know, and that's the movement of how the Holy Spirit works. That's how He works, you know. And so, um, the guy I was speaking to on my channel, when I came across Acts 38, and I was asking him, I said, Well, are we assuming that Peter can see the Spirit? Because Peter says, Repent and be baptized, and then. You were and like and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So that will happen after you do these other two things. But how does Peter not know? Well, maybe Peter don't know that they may have these people who were asking the question may have already been filled with the Spirit. Right. May have been. You see what I'm saying? 
But Peter doesn't know that. Uh, but it's just questions I ask to try to get people to think. It's like, you know what? Because God, God is logical. You know, God is logical. You know, and so there, there needs to be faith. Where is faith? It's not mentioned. And if the Bible is true concerning how we don't come to God unless he draws us first, then why are they saying, what shall we do if they, if the Holy Spirit is not yet in working? You know, and yeah. truly being repentant. You know, that's the first word he says, right? Repent and be baptized. It's, uh, it's overlooked usually by one of Pentecostals mm-hmm. um, because rep- repentance is actually granted by God. It, it, is yeah. not, it does not come from yourself. It's not self-generated within um, some scripture that I, that I think about is like Acts 11, 18. When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. And another one is 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 24 through 26. It says, uh, the Lord's servant and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but, uh, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may, perha- may perhaps grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of truth. So scripturally, repentance is granted by God, right? And I wish I did it more often when I was younger, because I really wish I would have focused on that repentance. Because so, well, normally we kind of just let that slide and we go right to the baptism part. But um, faith is also granted, you know, and, and, and you already touched on this too, right? On Ephesians chapter two, verse eight through nine. Also, Second um, Peter uh, 1, 1, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who love Sorry, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by our righteousness of our of our God and Savior. So faith isn't generated within, it's obtained, right? Because it's given. Okay, and Corinthians does talk about how the natural man does not receive things of the Spirit of God, right? Um, just one more is Philippians 129. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. It leads me to a question, right? It leads me to one question. Well, there's a couple questions, but but it leads me to one question to ask: um, Is can someone who does not have faith please God? No, right? Um, and uh, Romans eight eight, and I think you were quoting this earlier. Uh, Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Hebrews eleven six, and without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Amen. You know what I mean? So 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 the answer is no. Uh, now. I found a video where James White had hair, um, uh, and 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 he actually when I I really want to I want to upload this on 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 the Saint Certified page because uh, he actually goes down this route when when asked this question he goes down this route. Um, Romans eight six through eight says this: For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it is uh, for it does not submit to God's law. That last part, for it does not mm-hmm. submit to God's law. Indeed, right. it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So someone who is in the flesh cannot submit to God's, uh, cannot submit to God. Yet we have one is Pentecostal saying that someone can repent and desire baptism before being saved. So, uh, so what people do with that text is that they, they will say that when the scripture says they set their minds on the flesh, like the scripture doesn't say necessarily who set their minds where or how it was set there. It just says their mind is set to the flesh, and therefore that's what they were subject. That's 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 what they were subject to. Um, but they'll say, well, as humans, we can set our minds to the flesh. That's what we do. We can choose to set our minds to the flesh, and then set our minds to the spirit. 
But in the question I asked them at that point, I, had one, I only had one person make that argument with me, and it was an argument nonetheless. And I asked them, I said, okay, well, if the scripture is true, it says you set your mind to the flesh, then it's impossible to please God, and you're going to be hostile to God and not obey, then why would they decide to set their mind to the spirit? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, one, one can't do the other. If your mind's set to the flesh, you're automatically never going to submit to the spirit. And if your mind's already set to the spirit, then you're never going to want to go back to the flesh. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. You know, so it's, it's like if you if you so if they if they have the power to set their minds there, then they're still stuck. So right. you, you still have you still have an issue. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, this, there's no way around it when it comes to our total depravity um, before coming to Christ, before being saved. There's no way around it, man. Uh, Peter says, "Repent." So let's talk about repentance then. You know, and let's let let's let's look let's let's see what the Bible has to say about repentance. And is it even possible for someone who is not saved to to want to repent, to want to be baptized, to want these things? Um, and clearly, we just read that no, no, it's not possible. So, um, next point I, I want to cover in that verse uh, is the in the name of right. But but be, before I get to that, again, I just want to pose those questions, um, all those questions that we we asked in, in the last five or ten minutes or so. Um, the one that I really want answered is can someone who does not have faith please god okay uh romans 8 uh romans chapter 8 6 through 8 okay those who are in the flesh cannot please god and hebrews 11 6 and without faith it is impossible to please god the question is is it pleasing to god to want to be baptized mm. okay so that's 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 my question for the one Pentecostals that hopefully they can answer so in the name of right um so what this is called is it's called an idiom. So when we think about in the name of, biblically, that's authority, and uh, and we see that in in um, so for example, let's go to Matthew twenty-eight eight, eighteen, and Jesus came and said to them, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me." Okay, so one more time, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore, so again, he's using that word therefore. Go therefore, because of what I just said. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So in the name, so so Jesus, he explains what he means by in the name. Okay. He started off by saying that all authority has been given to him. So in the name of Jesus is the same exact thing as in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The, the Trinity, they share that same... There's no different authorities within the Trinity. They, they, they have that one authority, that one divine authority. Okay. And we see it in Christ. Um, so, so in the one Pentecostal view, what you have is, is somewhat of a contradiction, right? You see Jesus teaching one thing and Peter teaching another. Okay. Exactly. Uh, but then in Acts chapter four, it's only two chapters over. We see again, uh, authority or name being used in the same way. By what power or by what name or by or by what name did you do this, right? So, so uh, if, if we if we consider those things, there's no contradiction in the Bible. There's no contradiction. It, it it all flows consistently, right? And that's the beautiful thing about 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 understanding these words and these idioms and these expressions. Um, in the name of does not mean something that you call something by, right? Like when someone mm -hmm. says, you know, stop in the name of law you're not thinking that the law has a name like bill or something right. you know I mean? uh, or trump that's or something good. that's good yeah <laughs> you know uh, you, you think of authority you know stop in the name of the law you know so 
So like that, so, he like that song like, stop in the yeah, there name we go. of love. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's what we put it. Yeah, there we go. Um, so okay, so yeah, let's all let's talk off for that because I, I I think that alone answers that question about in the name of because they really focus on that, bro. That you know uh, you can't you can't be baptized in titles. You know you can't use titles. You can't use titles and. But, um, but, but, but I think that alone answers the question as far as what in the name means. Uh, just because Peter says in the name of Jesus does not mean that he's the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It just means that he is sharing that same divine authority. That and I, and I, I just, just to piggyback on that, I think, it's, I think it's important to really deal with the fact of Jesus himself is saying, go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These are Jesus' words. And it would seem to me that if it was always meant to be in the literal name of Jesus, then he could have easily said, therefore go and make disciples, baptizing them in my name. Exactly. Which then it could still mean authority, right? Because he said all authority is given to me. Still, this can mean authority. But if he literally meant his name, these mm. things could have been worded differently. And yeah. seeing that Peter being a listener to Jesus at the time that he gave the Great Commission, it would seem as either one or two things. That the one on one aspect, Peter completely like, you know what, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I'm not gonna do what Jesus said. I'm just gonna say him. And that's all I know. And I'm gonna do my own thing over here. Or that when Peter heard Jesus say those words, he understood that Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit were all one in unity. You know, just like Peter was Peter was present at the transfiguration. Peter was there when he heard the Father speak, this is my son, hear him. Peter was there. We got to remember that. You know, and, and the, that's something that's not, that you're not going to forget. You know what I'm saying? So Peter understands that there is a Father, and he's there eating with the Son and walking with the Son, and that the Holy Spirit was told that the Holy Spirit will come after Jesus goes back with the Father. You know what I'm saying? And so he hears all this. He's, Peter's walking with Jesus through all of this. So Peter understood that, hey, if I say in the name of Jesus, it's the same. Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not disobeying Christ. I'm not doing any, I'm not doing my own thing. I'm not going rogue. Uh, you know, I understand this is this word, this idiom is talking about the authority. And they have the same authority. They're not operating outside of each other. Yes. You know, and so that's you know, that's a, that's the beauty of it, man. Like the triune nature of God is so unified that yeah. Jesus could not do anything outside of the Father's will. That's what Jesus said himself. I can't do nothing above outside of what the Father told me to do. Like he's coming in obedience to the Father, willful submission to the Father. You know? And so yeah, that's yeah. it's some some points of just being back on that is like the contradiction there is like they have to deal with the contradiction there. They want to say, well, Peter said Jesus' name when Jesus clearly says Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Exactly, man. Exactly. I mean, you know, and again, in that passage that we referenced earlier, how name is used typically in the Bible, right? When, when, when in the name is used or name when it comes to Christ. And I hate to bring up this, this example because it sounds kind of childish, but I know many Jesuses and many, you know, like when the Bible says that no name has been given under heaven, you know, it doesn't make sense to believe that it's talking about an actual name that you call someone by, you know, it means authority, you know. What, what comes behind that name, maybe behind Christ, um, it, it makes it makes no sense to think that we're talking about an actual name like Bill or Jamal or Turo. You know, it's it, it, it makes more sense consistently with the rest of the Bible, especially how, how it's used, even by those who are questioning the, the apostles. Um, 
by what power by what name do you do you do this it it, it should make it should click right away that okay name does not mean a name they call name. yeah literal name it's, it means authority it's interesting you brought that up bro because see at this time at the time that jesus walked the earth there were other people named jesus exactly yeah. there were other people named yeshua um mm-hmm. back then during this time yeah. and so it's like it could have easily been any of those people you know exactly. it, yeah. but it, there's something different about this jesus versus yeah. everyone else and it's the authority that he had i mean that he has okay. like, had has yeah. and so it's like yeah so yeah, that's a good that's a good point to bring that up it's like yeah. It, it, I mean, it would actually be blasphemous to call anybody Jesus or yeah. Yeshua. Exactly. Or, or Jesus. Anyway, it would be blasphemous because they they can't have that name. You know, yeah. that's that's good. That's a very good point. Yeah. I, I never yeah. thought about that before. No, I mean, well, Acts four twelve it makes it very clear that for there is no other name under heaven. Like, well, there is other Jesuses that I know. You know, and <laughs> so is the Bible not true? But but the best thing though, like a, a simple reading, an understanding of what of, of what that word means. Would avoid all that you know it avoids that confusion um name they, they they rely that they rely so much on in the name of they rely so much on it um and i, I was watching a debate between uh james white and what's his name again um uh, he's a oneness oneness guy um and i know who you're talking about i can't remember his name either yeah he, he's very hyped up he was all hyped yeah. up and everything and and he uh and he actually uh when, when he quoted isaiah 9 6 he, he said the attributes of the name, right? He didn't want to say a name alone because he understands that if he says that, he falls into that trap, you know. And mm-hmm. so, so yeah. I mean, I think I, I think understanding what the, it, what in the name means um, really dis- disables them from making that argument, you know, that Peter was interpreting Christ, therefore, you know, Christ is the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's just it's just a, st- a stretch from what what's being taught in Scripture. Exactly. Again, we, we could have focused a little bit more on regeneration which we are you know there's still more there are more passages that where we could actually tackle this do you have anything else to say about acts 238 any, uh, any other comments no i think i think we did pretty good with that even if we don't discuss the regenerative, the regenerative aspect of it, i think that covers the argument that they make concerning yeah. acts 238 um so john 3 5 says jesus answered verily verily i say unto thee except a man be born of water and of the spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of god so spirit means, you know, that spiritual birth, water means baptism, you know, and uh, that's what they're saying it means, at least. And so, um, so I find it interesting when we're looking at the context of John 3, that only time water is mentioned is in verse 5. We see a lot of emphasis on the spirit. And so the argument is that when Jesus says that you must be born, unless one is born of water, and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God, and therefore water there has to be baptism. And so we think about this. When we're talking about something being born again, and it's it's an etern- it's an internal uh, uh, effect, something that's going on within us, you know, being born again. Being baptized is an external issue. It's something that happens outside of us. And uh, the scripture I like to refer to uh, with this, I believe Jesus is actually referring to, is dealing with Ezekiel 36. That scripture I, uh, I tend to go to when I'm dealing with this subject. Because in Ezekiel 36, just paraphrasing, God says that I will wash you and you will be clean. It was a prophecy to Israel letting them know, hey, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're making my name bad, you're profaning my name amongst the nations, but hey, I'm gonna do this work in you. Like, you can't do it, I'm gonna do it to you. I'm going to wash you and you will be clean. 
I'm going to get, then he goes on to tell how he's going to wash us. He said, I'm going to give you a new heart and I will give you my spirit. And so he says all these things. And Jesus alludes to this when he's speaking to Nicodemus because he said, are you a teacher? And I think it's good how we read the context because he, he tells Nicodemus, are you a teacher of Israel yet do not know these things? Well, why, why, why would Nicodemus know any of that? Like where would Nicodemus have ever heard about the concept of being born again? Well, Ezekiel is a good place because it was the promise of God that this will happen for Israel. This will happen for his people. He's going to wash them and they will be clean. He will give them a new spirit. He will, they will give them a new heart and, and give them his spirit. And then it says that in Ezekiel 36, it says after he does all those things, God says, and you will loathe yourselves for the sins you've committed against me. You know, so there's a heart change here where you used to enjoy your sin. Now you're going to hate your sin. So we just, something different has happened to an individual. And so this water here, I tend to believe from the scripture that this is the washing that, that Jesus is alluding to that, that God has already spoken about in uh, Ezekiel, you know, that we washed. But it happens simultaneously with the being born again of, of the spirit. That's what the spirit does. But people, when I go here with that, or go to Ezekiel with that, they tend not to want to even deal with it. It's just John 3, 5. John 3, 5, yeah. and won't ignore any other context that comes with it. Like, why would Jesus ask Nicodemus? You should know this. You should know what I'm talking about, yet you don't. Yeah, no, exactly, man. And you know what? And, and, and even a New Testament reference, right? And Titus 3, 5, again, talking about being born again, regeneration. Uh, he saved us. Again, Titus 3, 5. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. You know what I mean? That's like, like it, it, that's clear. It's, it's very clear that's in what clear. In what Jesus was talking about. You know what I mean? And um, so yeah, you're right. It's it's uh, it's not talking about it, you know Christ is talking about spiritual things. He's talking about heavenly things. If you want to go to heaven, you have to be born again. Okay, what does that mean? Okay, well, be you have to be born of the Spirit and of the water. And the whole context is talking about spiritual matters. He's not talking. He's not. He's not going back to earthly things. Um, unfortunately, you know, there was uh, a few people that I, that I heard and, and I used it actually back when I first got saved. Um, I thought that water meant like natural birth, you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. And I read it somewhere and I ran with it, you know, and shortly afterwards, I'm, I remember telling myself, no, he's talking about it's all spiritual matter here. You know, he's not talking mm -hmm. about anything physical. Yeah, I thought I heard that before. Um, and in the way I don't know if this is the way you had believed it before was that because you know what he says, born of water and spirit, basically saying you got to be born both ways. So yeah. hey, but it's like you know, yeah. think about it. It was like, well, it's like a no-brainer. It's like, well, you already know we got to be born one way. We all, that's why we're here, you know. Yeah. So it's like, how can we even get to the part of having uh, be regenerated by the spirit if we never was born in the first place? You know. Exactly. Exactly, so. man. So when, when when Jesus talks about when Jesus says that you know, aren't you a teacher? You know, and yet, yet, yet you don't know these things. Mm -hmm. um, this whole idea about being born again. Er, earlier, you talked about you know, how they were cut in the heart, right? When Peter was preaching to the masses, they were cut in the heart or cut to the heart, uh, depending on what version you read. But the, the whole idea was that something happened in, inwardly, right? Mm -hmm. And it's really, it's really clear that I think the Holy Spirit, being the author of the Bible, right, uh, through these writers, wrote down "cut to the heart" because in the Old Testament. There was a, there was such thing as circumcision of the flesh and circumcision of of, of the heart, you know. Mm. Uh, so in Deuteronomy um, uh, De Deuteronomy thirty, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the and the heart of your offspring, 
so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you, that you may live. So the, circ- the circumcision of the heart does exactly the same as being born again. It causes you to love God. That's Deuteronomy 30, verse 6. Yeah. Okay. So, so the, yeah, the Lord God, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart. So if you notice, you know, the, the cause and effect here is that after, the, after this happens in their heart, they're going to love God. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 10 uh, verse 12, uh, all the way to 16. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, the Lord your God, to the Lord your God belong heaven and, and, and the heavens of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Yet, the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers to, uh, and chose their offspring after them. You above all peoples, as you are this day, circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. Mm-hmm. You know, so this idea of being born again and how in, in Acts chapter 2, when Peter, or I'm sorry, when Luke wrote that they were cut to the heart, I mean, it is an Old Testament reference. It's not, it's not just a New Testament thing. The, the regeneration of the Holy Spirit happened from uh, all the way back to Israel. When Christ uh, tells Nicodemus, you know, um, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? He should know these things, but obviously it's not like that for him. And, and again, most scholars agree with you and, and, and we'll, we'll say Ezekiel 36 is what Christ had in mind. Uh, Cause that, you know, the sprinkling of water cleansing, you know, the, the cleansing of that, that sprinkling, mm-hmm. um, it's all spiritual. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not literal. It's, it's not physical. So, so yeah, again, you can't use John 3, 5 to prove that he's talking about baptism because clearly the context and the entire Old Testament does not back that up, you know, so. And, it's, and that's um, good because it's interesting when you brought that up from the Old Testament reference, maybe when I look at um, the phrase cut to the heart. Yeah. It's, um, or in some translations say prick. It was, it was uh, prick to the heart. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And so, and so looking at the word, it's... <laughs> I wonder, I wonder, this is where we get the um, word for swords, the a katana store. Because the word is called, it, the word is like katana, kataluso. Right. And it's um, to pierce thoroughly yeah. and it's to agitate violently. Ooh. Like, yeah. you know, and prick. <laughs> like, that's what it is. So, like, so when it was cut to the heart, like this, like the way Luke is using these words or using this word for cut or prick, it's like this, like this, they, they was just in there like, man, you know, this may be true. Yeah. Like, this actually caused them some, like, Oh, oh man! You know what I'm saying? Like, like this, like this hit home. You exactly. know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, how does you know? It, it's like, man, like that. There wasn't just a realization of like, you know what? Peter may be on to something. You know? Yeah. You know, Peter may be on to something. <laughs> you know, we're hearing more on this. Well, what yeah. shall we do, Peter? Like they're sitting there, like, oh, what should we, what should we do? Yeah. You know, like this, this, this is kind of thing you get. Like now, that only comes from having that circumcision of the heart. Yeah. And not being stubborn, like recognizing, like man, like we sin against a holy God, like oh man, it, it, it reminds me of that reminds me of when I was, when I was, uh, when I first when the God I had heard the gospel, right? But it sat on me for a while, and I remember when it first hit me home, like I like I'm like I'm laying I'm laying up and I'm thinking about my life and I'm thinking about what I was doing, and I was like, okay, if this is true, if I, if I die tonight, I'm going to hell. 
Mm. Like, and I thought I was saved. Like, I, I, I thought I was saved, just like a lot, like a lot of these Pharisees did back then in Jesus' time. Like, you know, I thought I was right with God, you know? Because he might have asked 238, what happened is the, they're speaking in tongues, everything else. And these people who are proselytes, they're, 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 they're Jews, they're coming up and they're hearing this message going on. And, and now Peter preaches the gospel to them. So they thought they were right with God. They would be in the same boat. You know, like, hey, you know, we're okay, you know, and he's preaching to them. And then so it's like, I'm thinking I'm good with God and realizing like, okay, I was trusted in my works. I have, I have never trusted in, in Christ and it doesn't cross in this way. I've heard about it, but I've never looked at it in that way. And if this is true, if all this is true concerning my sin, concerning my need of his of His salvation, then if I die tonight, I'm going to hell. And I remember, man, I, uh, that level of fear struck me. And not, not the fear of hell. It wasn't the fear of like, oh, I'm going to hell, I'm going to go to hell. It was just like, oh, I, I, I really messed up. Like, God is holy. Like, he's, like, he's truly holy. And I'm like, and I'm like, I'm not. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, what can I do now? Like, okay, I, I was in this church. I'm, I'm going to church. I'm doing this. But what, what do I need to do? You know what I'm saying? It's like a sense of urgency. You know, it's like, okay, I don't want to go to sleep until I have a night. Like, what can I do? You know? And it, it reminds me of that. Like, this is the kind of feeling they're having here. And so I'm saying all this saying, giving that illustration and all that, is to say, well, what manner of person does this who doesn't have faith? Because yeah. like we saw on S238 saying that they, you know, they repent and be baptized, but there's no faith mentioned. Exactly. You know, like how do they have this this cut to the heart? How can it be cut to the heart yeah. if, if they didn't have faith? And how do they have this faith if there was no presence of the spirit already? Yeah. You know? Because exactly. the mindset of the flesh is hostile towards God, you know? Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, exactly. It's, it's beautiful, man. Yeah, no, I, bro. I mean, yeah, like we said earlier, like, uh, like it's it's having a fear. Like your your fear shifted from hell itself to now you fear God. You know, and people fear hell more than they fear God, and that's unfortunate. But um, you know, you know, I think of, of James two uh, two eighteen. You know how the how even the demons believe and shudder. You know, so it's mm -hmm. it, we should have this fear. Uh, if you're a non-believer, you should fear God. You know, more than you fear hell, you should fear God for offending Him. They realize that man, they crucified Christ. They messed up big, you know, and uh, but Peter's giving them the good news now, you know, and and so and again, and the book of Acts, it's more again descriptive. It's not prescriptive. It's more of a, an account of what happened. Um, so going back to John three, this whole idea of being born again, again, it's it's, it's not an, it was not a new teaching. Christ didn't, was not lying when he was implying something uh, to to Nicodemus when he said. You know, yet you, yet you do not know these things or understand these things. Um, the, the concept of being born again was never baptism plus, you know, plus uh, spiritual birth. It was all spiritual. You know, that th that last point, that last point about circumcision of the heart. Um, I, I could have made it a little cleaner if I was prepared more. <laughs> but there's one more verse I want to share regarding that. It's in Amen. Romans two two nineteen. But a Jew is one inwardly. And circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. So just to kind of conclude that point that I made earlier about circumcision of the heart, it's there, you know, uh, Old Testament and New Testament. But let me see what, what I have left. I have Mark 16, 16, 1 Peter 3, 21, James 2, uh, James 2, 226, you know, uh, so faith without works is dead. 
you know, I have all these passages, man, that I want to get into, uh, but we could be here all night, you know? Um, yeah. All right, so I think we covered quite a bit. Uh, we just went through, I think, two verses. <laughs> I had about 11 or 12, um, but it's cool. I mean, hopefully people will find this helpful. Uh, again, if you're, um, if you're a Christian and you're, you're looking for these answers, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, I'll have my information below. And also Jamal, I'm sure he's going to uh, encourage you to, to, to reach out to him if you have any questions. Uh, the podcast is Saints Edified. You can find it on iTunes, Anchor FM, uh, on any platform. Uh, but hopefully there's going to be at least a couple more parts with me and Jamal. We could cover these things, uh, these passages and these arguments. Uh, but Jamal, do you have anything you want to say, any encouragement, anything you want to uh, share to the listeners? Yeah, uh, first off, I just want to thank you again, brother, for having me on, man, and just being to share this platform with you, man. I greatly appreciate it. And um, and definitely, I look forward to um, finishing this conversation up, you know, however many parts it may take, you know, because this is a very important subject, man, and so many people are deceived by this doctrine. And um, so it's, if you can help one person, you know, see some see the light in this, and I'm, I'll be eternally grateful. Uh, I just want to encourage those of you who are listening to this or watch this, that the scriptures that we went over here, and if you disagree, for, for those who disagree, I would ask, I want you to think about why you disagree. What is it that you disagree about? What, what was said? Um, the connections that were made from the Old and New Testament. I really did like, after how you brought the New Testament to bear along with the Old Testament and, and drawing the connection. So I would ask anyone who may listen to this and still disagree, why? And with, and with what would you disagree? Just ask yourself that question. And then search the scriptures to see if there's anything, if, if, if there's a rebuttal against what we're talking about. And I'm confident to say that I don't think there's anything in there that would go against what we said tonight concerning the movement of the spirit, the, the condition of the heart when, um, when in, in terms of repentance, um, how the Lord is uh, sovereign in our repentance and granting it to us. And the fact that it was talking about being in the name of Jesus or versus the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like where in scripture is the the, uh, the confrontation that would that would prove the point against what we're saying? And I would just really think about that, you know, and just hold to the truth. Hold to what the truth is. And the truth is consistent. And I always remember that truth is consistent. All right. Um, for those of you who may be struggling, you know, and battling with this subject and want to know more. Please, like Arturo said, reach out to him, reach out to me. Welcome to do so. You can email me at prescribed.truth at gmail.com. Also have a line that you can call is 801-980-6333. You're welcome to call me, leave a voicemail, text it. However you want to reach out to me, you can. Also available on Facebook at Prescribed Truth Apologetics. Um, and Twitter, uh, Bandy underscore Jamal. That's my personal Twitter. I also use for Prescribed Truth as well. And on Instagram, JB Prescribed Truth. And so you can find me there as well. Uh, please, please check out the podcast. You get a chance. Prescribed uh, Truth Podcast. And just like Arturo is available iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, CastBox, all those places. Everywhere you may listen, you may find Prescribed Truth there. Uh, and then you also check me out on YouTube. I do a live stream weekly. You know, I make it open for people to come on if you want to have to ask questions. And you can talk about this subject if you want to. You know, I make it open for that reason. So um, I encourage you to do that as well. And I try my best. I try to be patient with everyone uh, when we have discussions like this, because I think that's the important thing, um, not to get to keep a cool head and discussing things like this. 
because people are people do believe what they believe and it's sincere about it. It's just that, like Arturo said earlier, we can be sincerely wrong. So those are my final words on this subject. And so I appreciate it, man. Uh, once again, guys, uh, I really encourage you guys to to subscribe to Jamal's channel, Subscribe Truth, uh, even on Facebook. Go ahead and follow. Uh, and he's he's one of those guys that constantly and consistently posts things. Um, I'm still trying to do that with my with my I'm stuff. Trying but, to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I have no excuse because he he's he's also a family man as as well. And so, hey, but you know, um, but he he does that, and uh, I, I listen to his podcast. It's really good stuff. And again, if if you have questions. He, he encourages you to 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 leave a message and, um, and or even engage with them. So um, once again, guys, uh, this is Saint Certified Polemical Edition, where we critically examine essential and non-essential issues of the Christian faith. Till next time, Sola Dei Gloria.